Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another edition of Celebrating 96. This is Hayes Carline going back through that magnificent 1996 Florida Gators National Championship, the first in school history. And, I, you know, sometimes you have a guest where it's like, I, I could go on and on about this game. Today's game is actually a huge game. This was 35-29 at Tennessee, uh, victory in Rocky Top. Florida was fourth going into the game. Uh, it sort of was able to shake off the Fiesta Bowl beatdown uh, by Nebraska with this victory. Uh, this was supposed to be Tennessee's year. Florida had beaten the Vols uh, three straight years, obviously 62-37 to and 95 in that memorable game in the Swamp where Florida scored 48 in a row. This was the year for Tennessee. Tennessee was second in the country. Tennessee had Peyton Manning. He was going to win the Heisman. Tennessee was going to win the national championship, and uh, and it just didn't happen. I'm not going to go too far through this because uh, Steve Spurrier was kind enough to join us to, to go back and, and talk about the Tennessee game, and I want to get you to that as soon as we can. I do want to tell you this episode of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell, a local family firm available 24-7. My friends, who you can trust, huge Gator fans, Harold and Harold, don't settle for less than you deserve. Uh, when you look at Spurrier and all his magnificent victories, I think this one has to rank close to the top uh, because of what we all remember, uh, the 4th and 11 call, uh, Danny Warfel to Riddell Anthony, 35-yard touchdown pass on the game's opening series. Florida scores the first 35 points of this game. Um you know, what was interesting going back and doing research is uh, that call actually was in line with how Steve Spurrier called games. It, it I, I sort of remember it. I was actually in Knoxville for this game uh, as a student. I went up there with my girlfriend at the time. And, um, you know, what was really interesting about it is it feels to me as a fan that that call, 4th and 11, was this really gutsy, unorthodox call for Steve Spurrier. But it was interesting going back and looking at uh, Spurrier's 4th uh, down uh, propensity in 94 and 95. In 94, Florida converted 12 of 15 on fourth down. And in 95, they were 15 of 21 on fourth down. So Spurrier went for it a lot. Uh, but it still felt like maybe because of the magnitude of the game and the hype behind it, it still felt like just a gigantic call. Uh, so that's going to lead us off. So uh, without further ado, the architect of it all, Florida coach Steve Spurrier. This episode okay. of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harold & Harold, a local family firm available 24-7, and my friends, huge gators, who you can trust. Harold & Harold, don't settle for less than you deserve. Call them at 904-251-1111. It is our privilege to be joined by the man that made this all happen, Florida coach Steve Spurrier, who, of course, led the gators to their first ever national championship in 1996. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, Hayes, good to be with you. Well, we really appreciate it. And uh, today we're looking back at that Florida-Tennessee game, number four Florida at number two Tennessee, September 21st of that year. And uh, let's just talk about sort of the team as it went into that game. Did you like what you'd seen in fall camp and and throughout the first two games from your uh, from your squad that year? Hayes, we knew we had a really good team. And, and our goal that year uh, – we set goals every year. Our goal was to win every game. That's how we thought of ourselves as very capable of doing that. Uh, we did go 12-1, and one, and we lost that game up in Tallahassee, 24-21. So we almost hit all of our goals, but not quite. Uh, the game in Knoxville, uh, we were 2-0, and I think, 
going up there, or maybe one and zero. Was that the second game of the season? No, you were two and zero. You beat Southwest Louisiana in the opener, and then Georgia Southern uh, in yeah, week two. It. Yeah, we were two and zero. That's right. I thought so. Okay, so uh, it, it was an interesting. Uh, there was a threat of thunderstorms, and uh, supposedly uh, Coach Fulmer thought the rain was going to hit right at kickoff, uh, but somehow or another the storms missed us. And uh, there was absolutely no problem. So we got the opening kickoff and got down there on about the 33, four-yard line, something like that. It was too far for a field goal, and it was too close to punt. So you go for it. So uh, that was our opening drive. I think it's fourth and 12 there. And uh, we had Ike Hilliard going over the middle around 15 yards, and Reed Dale's clearing through the post. So I – you know, the idea was maybe to hit that middle guy, thinking they'd be way back there. Uh, but Danny goes back, and uh, one of their safeties didn't go deep or something, and he hit Riedel Anthony for the touchdown, hit him in dead stride there in the end zone. So that started it right there. We were up seven to nothing, and <laughs> and we just kept scoring. We got a bunch of turnovers, and we actually scored our first five possessions uh, to happen thirty-five to nothing early in the second quarter. And Steve, you guys had been excellent on fourth down. It was interesting going back and researching this because, you know, obviously that's a call, that's a play that is is a legendary play. Every Gator fan loves to to recollect that play and talk mm-hmm. about it. But you guys had been an outstanding fourth down team. In 94, you converted 12 of 15 fourth downs. And in 95, you'd converted 15 of 21 fourth down opportunities. So... What what gave you guys such confidence and the ability to execute on on such a crucial down? I don't have the answer for that. Uh, we thought we were pretty good on third down, but obviously, uh, if, we, if you don't make it on third, go go for it on fourth. Uh, we didn't go for it deep in our territory too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, if you're around midfield or on the other side of midfield, you must you, you should almost always go for it. Uh, field position. Nowadays, it's not as important as it was maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago when, you know, teams would punt and everybody will know who your punter is. Uh, we, we had some good punters at Florida, but fortunately, we didn't try to put the game in their hands. But uh, I don't have the answer for that. We were pretty good on third downs, I think, too. And uh, Danny Warfel and, and the quarterbacks we had and the wide receivers were, gosh, we had two All-Americans on the field uh, in 96, Ike Carrier and Redale Anthony. And Chaquez Green was second-team All-American next year. He easily could have been first. So we, we were loaded with uh, talent, uh, throwing the ball and catching it. On that play to Riddell, the touchdown, was there a moment during that play, either maybe in pre-snap or when Danny went into his dropback, that you kind of knew before he released the ball that this had a chance to be a touchdown? Uh, no. This was one of the few times uh, that the ball went somewhere that I didn't think it was going to go. I'm watching Ike sort of run over the middle, and, and then all of a sudden I glance back and I see Danny uh, launch it deep, and there goes Riddell. So uh, I said, Danny knows more about this game than I do over here on the sideline. But usually I'll watch the defense and figure out where the ball should go, and it, uh, probably 80% of the time – uh, Danny would sort of throw what what I was thinking, but this time he he saw Redell and man he put it put it on the money. So it was a big play in the game. What was it like preparing for a game with Danny? 
Well, similar to all the other quarterbacks, you know, Shane Matthews, he was SEC player of the year also, as was uh, Rex Grossman later on. Uh, we we felt like we had a pretty good scheme of things because we could run the ball and throw it. Uh, Fred Taylor in the backfield, and Eric Red, all the wonderful backs we had. And the offensive line uh, was an outstanding group of players also. Uh, the 96 group, I think uh, about three or four of them had been starters for at least three years. So uh, it, it was really a talented group of guys. Uh so other than that, we, uh, we we were pretty good. You know, we we practiced. <laughs> we threw the ball all day in practice. Uh, Danny, one one time we were talking about throwing and this, that, and the other, and he he, he said, Coach, we threw as soon as we got out there till we left the field. Some kind of passing and uh, team. Occasionally we'd do some handoffs, but uh, you don't have to practice handoffs too much to get that down. <laughs> but uh, we threw all the routes over and over and over again, and. Receivers ran them over and over and over, and repetition is the law of learning, according to Coach John Wooden. So we, we did a lot of repetition in practice. Absolutely. That game obviously launched Danny uh, really into the uh, you know Heisman conversation is maybe the favorite. Obviously, he'd been in the running a serious contender the year prior, uh, but, but Peyton had sort of gotten the lion's share of the hype and the, and the media attention going into that game. Um sure. What what kind of leader was Danny? What was he like? Do you remember sort of how he was leading up to that game? And, and what kind of leader had he no, developed he was, into by that point in his senior no, year? He was pretty much the same every game mm-hmm. uh, from his freshman year through his senior year. Uh, he knew he was ready, and players would look at him and say, Danny's always ready to play. I'm going to get ready to play. Uh, when your quarterback uh, has the leadership qualities uh, that Danny Warfel, Shane Matthews, and these guys have, it influenced the other guys on the team. And, and we had some good leaders on defense on the other side also. Lawrence Wright, James Bates, and those guys, uh, they did a good job making sure all the defensive players were ready to go also. Uh, but that team, they, they set some high goals. Uh, you know, we won everything that year. We won the, the SEC, the division, the national championship. And somebody said, Coach, you must have hit all your goals that year. I said, nope, we lost to FSU, and at that time, we'd lost the state championship, and uh, but we got the rematch in the Sugar Bowl, which was uh, a blessing uh, to get that uh, chance to beat them again, and, and the second time, of course, it, it was for the national championship. And you guys went through a bunch of offensive line uh, lineups just because of injuries and attrition, things like that. How pleased were you with your staff and with your players that you guys offensively were able to remain such an elite unit? I think you had seven or eight different starting lineup combinations on the offensive line that year. Uh, Yeah, we probably did, but the two tackles uh, got hurt late. Uh, Zach Piller got hurt up at Vanderbilt. And that was, uh, I think, the week before the FSU game. And then uh, the week of the FSU game, in practice, a scout team lineman fell into the leg of Mo Collins, just stumbled and fell into him and sort of stretched some knee ligaments. So our two starting offensive tackles were not available at Tallahassee. But when we got them the rematch in the Sugar Bowl, uh, they were both ready to play. And... Uh, Mo Collins and Zach Pillar were uh, they were two of the best to ever play at Florida. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, all the great talent you guys had on defense. Mm-hmm. When you went into the Tennessee game, uh, you'd been with you know Bob Stoops now for two games. Uh, wh- wh- what was sort of your confidence level and trust level in, in Coach Stoops when you went to mm-hmm. Knoxville? 
Oh, complete uh, trust with Bobby Stoops. Uh, in fact, uh, during the course of that game, uh, when we got ahead 35 to nothing, our free safety, Tico Brown, took himself out of the game on his own, on his own. And uh, we kick off in the end zone, I think, and on first down from the 20 or 25, I guess 25-yard line they put it, uh, Peyton throws a touchdown pass over the head of the safety. Our backup guy sort of went for the you know the middle route, underneath route, and uh, he hit the guy for a post. 80-yard touchdown. Bang, one play. And I looked over at Bobby and I said, what, what are we doing? <laughs> and he didn't say anything. Then later he told me, he said, that dang Tico took himself out uh, by himself. And, uh, of course, we got him right back in after that. But, uh, yeah, players, uh, you got to tell them, you don't take stuff out of the game. We'll take you out when the time's right. So well, we had a breakdown right there that uh, was sort of upsetting. When you get a lead like that, you want to make them earn every yard all the way up and down the field. So after that, we played uh, we played pretty good defense, really. They scored with – I think 10 seconds left to get it up to 29. And uh, so we had a comfortable lead right right to the end there. Right, and, and the defense did provide a touchdown. What do you remember on that play when Anthon Lott uh, got the fumble and, and took it to the house for you? Yeah, that was uh, – you got that fumble in midair, they call it. Uh, I don't know the difference between air and midair. But <laughs> everybody calls it – you got the fumble in midair. And uh, – and took it on in for a touchdown real quick there. And we got a couple of other turnovers and were able to score offensively down inside the 25, 30-yard line, I think. So we, we scored fast, but uh, we slowed down. We made a few first downs in that second half to help kill some clock. But uh, it was interesting. After the game, our locker room was pretty quiet, actually. We uh, sort of had a big lead and let them come back. So we weren't we – weren't, uh, you know, being too jubilant or anything like that. In fact, I never will forget one of the sports writers in Knoxville. His uh, write-up started out with, because uh, they had the biggest crowd in Tennessee history, and uh, said someone was calling it the biggest game in uh, Tennessee history. And he said, big uh, big crowd, big game, no big deal for Gators. <laughs> said their locker room was as quiet. You thought they had lost the game the way they reacted. So anyway, our guys... Uh, yeah, we, 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 we set some high expectations for ourselves, and uh, we, we weren't all that happy with the, the, the entire second half, probably. Yeah, that was the largest crowd at the time in NCAA history. Mm-hmm. There was 107,608 people uh, at the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just uh, just unbelievable. And then from that point on, the team really seemed to uh, hit a, a tremendous stride. You guys, over the next five games, you would go over to, go on to win all those games by at least 35 points against, obviously, some outstanding programs. Auburn, LSU, uh, you destroyed Georgia. Uh, what do you think that victory in Knoxville uh, did for you guys moving forward? Well, it just got us one and zero in conference play, but it was always big to beat Tennessee because they didn't lose much in those days. In fact, uh, I think Perilous Price told me one time uh, we were at the SEC game and they honored a bunch of guys as the SEC legends, and he was a legend from Tennessee. He said, "Coach, we only lost three SEC games during my four years there. '98, they went undefeated, and uh, they said all of them to you guys at Florida." I said, is that right? I said, well, maybe you guys deserve to win it all in 98. 
That was the time we lost that overtime game up there. Anyway, they, they, they had awfully good teams, but for some reason, they didn't play their best against us. Seems like they got a lot of turnovers, and uh, our guys were ready to pounce upon them. Well, the Gator fans were thrilled with the victory up in Knoxville. Uh, again, number four, Florida over number two, Tennessee. And it certainly uh, was a big part of the springboard that led to that magnificent 1996 mm-hmm. national championship. And, Coach, uh, it has been a pleasure yeah, what, reminiscing uh, about that game with you. Yeah, Hayes, again, what, what was so important about that game, uh, you know, I talked about those other years that Tennessee lost to us. Well, we, we lost to Auburn. Remember in '93 and '94, mm-hmm. uh, 36, 33, 38, 35 games, uh, but we were able to, to to go on and win the SEC because we just had that one loss and because we had beaten Tennessee. So, yeah, beating those guys uh, when you beat the best team in your division, that gives you a chance that hey, if you slip up somewhere down the road, you still can win your conference championship. Well, Steve, you've given us Gator fans uh, uh, 25 years of great times remembering that team and, and the euphoria that it brought us. And uh, for every Gator fan, thank you so much uh, for your c- contributions to the university mm. we all love. And it was certainly a, a privilege getting to talk to you about Florida's great win up in Knoxville in 96. We certainly appreciate it. Okay, Hayes. Hey, thanks for calling. All right. All thank- Thank you, Coach. Really appreciate Coach Spurrier joining us. So much fun talking to him. And, uh, again, this episode of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell, a local family firm available 24-7, big enough to fight the insurance companies, but small enough to give you the personal attention that you deserve and your case deserves. So if you have been hurt, please call Harrell & Harrell. They will help you. You can reach them at 904 Two five one 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 one. So much fun catching up with uh, with Coach Spurrier, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week we're going to talk Kentucky, um, sixty five nothing in that one, just to give you a, a sneak peek. So there will not be a lot of uh, drama uh, with the Kentucky game, but uh, but it's a lot of fun to look back and and see. There'll be uh, some interesting tidbits. I think you'll get, you guys will enjoy. We're going to be joined by. Michael DeRocco of ESPN. He uh, it was working at the Times Union at the time. He wasn't on the Gator Beat, but would cover the games, uh, would go over a lot for to write sidebars and things like that. Obviously, ended up being a longtime Gator Beat writer for the Florida Times Union from like 2000 to 2012, and now is a current Jaguar Beat writer for ESPN, uh, and has been um, and has been on that beat since 2013 with me. So. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun talking to uh, Michael DiRocco of ESPN. I uh, really want to thank Steve Spurrier for his time joining us. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, once again, this episode of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell, a local family firm available 24-7. My friends, huge gators, you can trust them. Give them a call, Harrell & Harrell. Don't settle for less than you deserve, 904 251 one one. That is going to do it. Final Rocky Top, Florida thirty five, Tennessee twenty nine. Danny Warfel four touchdowns. Peyton Manning four picks. The Heisman race takes a huge swing, and the Gators go back up to number one in the country following the big win in Knoxville. This has been Hayes Carlion. Thank you for listening to Celebrating ninety six on ten ten XL dot com.